0: You are now tuned in to The James Grace Theory, episode 16, Building a Business. This is a podcast about business, fitness, life. Uh, On the previous episodes, I think we've covered most of the life stuff. we talked not most of it, but a lot of our episodes up to this point have been more about life and more personal Mm -hmm. stuff, some fitness stuff in there as well. But this is one that I've been looking forward to in a little bit, and this is—we're just talking straight business right
1: now. Straight business, we
0: picking picking your brain. Obviously, you've started a successful business. I don't know how many successful businesses you've started. I don't know how many failures you've had. We'll get into all that. Um, but we're we're here mainly to talk more about the success of BPI and how you get to, how you got to this point. Mm-hmm. But um, did you have it as when you were when you were younger? Did you did you always know? And I just don't see you as someone that likes to work for other people. So was that in you when you were younger? You're like, I'm going to kind of do my own thing, figure out my own business thing. Well, how was your business acumen when you were younger?
1: I don't think I knew exactly what I wanted to do when I was younger. I, I just That was probably one of the challenges that I had was I just didn't have a clear vision for my future. And a lot of it was... Not because I didn't have aspirations a lot of it was just because I didn't see that path I didn't see a clear path and I didn't have that uh, I guess you'd say you know confidence or belief in myself to be able to go do these things. I saw those things and said but that's for them you know that's there I thought there was some sort of invisible threshold there that I just I couldn't break past and so it it took me a bit to you know just in business recognizing that there wasn't anything holding me back, that there wasn't, you know, there wasn't this threshold other than my own belief systems. And so once I got past that, yeah, that's when I started thinking there was no way I could work for anyone else and and be satisfied because I always had ideas, things that I wanted to do and trying to convince other people, you know, that this was a good idea, I would just, you know, run into into a brick wall there and i got frustrated with that and so it wasn't this quest to go out and start a business just to you know make a lot of money it was more to free myself to be able to go pursue the things that i wanted to pursue and and try these different things
0: right the reason we're talking about this is um something cool came up a couple months ago where you were invited to the fitcon Mm -hmm. as a guest speaker as a keynote speaker and we kind of looked at the other speakers, and we're like, what are these guys talking about? And we really wanted to do something a little bit different, mm-hmm. but not really. I mean, we, this is still going to be, um, for most people that don't know FitCon, give them a little little description of what it
1: is. So FitCon is a an expo, a fitness expo in Utah. And I think one of the things that they're doing that is cool, that's unique, it's not just focused on just in-consumer. It's not a bodybuilding show. It truly is more of a fitness show. And <clears throat> i got to turn the volume down. It's uh, getting a little loud there. Uh, it's also a business expo. So it's a place where entrepreneurs can go and listen to other people, listen to people they've been successful in their own respective fields. So, top trainers, top nutritionists, top business owners. And, uh, you know, with us doing these podcasts over time, I uh, I think that's just kind of the the next step right. in this whole process is being able to get in front of a group of people and be able to talk about all the things that you and I talk about but maybe take some of these these bigger ideas things that you and I can talk about for an hour kind of keep them focused and and yeah just really narrow down to to the meat and potatoes right like what is the essence of my business philosophy if I were just to narrow down to a 15 minute conversation what are all the things that I've learned over twenty years of business right. that have gotten me from point A to where I'm at right now and, you know, what what are those philosophies or what are what are those principles? Right. And
0: you hear the word entrepreneur around, it seems like if you have a an Instagram page or some kind of entrepreneur and and I like to think myself, I don't know, I don't like to categorize myself into that entrepreneurial space yet until I've already started doing it, you know. But most of these guys have I mean, most people listening to here have that either they're either a personal trainer, they want to start an apparel company, or one of these people's trying to start a supplement company, things like that. So it, I think this expo, it's on April 6th and 7th. I think you'll be speaking on both days now. Yep.
1: So the first day is Keynote, and that's a 15-minute presentation. Uh, you and I have talked a lot about some of these principles, but it really is my success equation. It's a really simple equation. On how to overcome fear, overcome obstacles, and reach your goals.
0: I think if anybody have listened to any anything we've talked about, it's all in there. But now it's we're in there. But this is just a right. really
1: like condensed version. And then the second day, Jay Cutler, four-time Mister Olympia, Jay Cutler, and I are presenting together. And that's more on fitness entrepreneurship. Mm. And so that would apply to anyone who has an interest in building something, building a business within the fitness industry, whether you're a fitness model, athlete, you know, an ambassador, or if you're a gym owner or a personal trainer, anything in the fitness industry. Talking more about branding, though. So either how do you brand your business or how do you brand yourself as an individual, which Jay has been a master at, especially with social media, using that as a tool. So talking about some of those different things, what it takes if you want to break into this industry, how to do that and how to be successful within this industry.
0: Right. I mean, let's kind of jump right into it. If I want to create the next BPI sports, Mm -hmm. how do I even start? I'm not asking from your experience, maybe there's some things you would have done differently, but how did you start? How did you guys even formulate this idea of
1: BPI sports? So, you know, there's there's always, even starting something, There's it's got to be built on something. You know, you just don't, you can't build a foundation for a house on, in thin air, right? It's got to be built on solid ground. And so you've got to have some sort of foundation under your foundation. So for me, that foundation was getting into the fitness industry first. And I I can go back to the very beginning and tell you that there was a point where I was really just lost. Didn't have any direction. Didn't know where I wanted to go. Didn't have a lot of skill sets. I didn't have a college degree. uh, Didn't have a lot of experience. And so someone who acted as a mentor sat down and said, okay, well, let's look at what skill sets you have right now what maybe talents do you have or passions do you have let's see if we can find an alignment between those things between your passions and your talents and where's a good starting point because look it's really difficult to get that first opportunity you could be the most talented person in the world but you you have to start building some experience and that means someone's got to take a chance on you mm-hmm. and so i'd go out there and say all right i don't really have a lot of experience in the professional world and so it started with sales so first is all right well i don't have any sales experience let me get a any sales job i can what can i sell what can i sell who's going to give me an opportunity so i can go out there and build some sales experience and ended up working for a company where i was fortunate enough they had a corporate program where they offered classes where if you want to go do the classes the company would pay for them Mm. so on you know building a sales funnel and you know just basic sales you know techniques and so i took every one of those classes this is
0: before the digital space was really open. Yep. This was kind of so, like so. These
1: were like old school seminars that they would do in a hotel room, like a little hotel room, and there'd be fifty people sitting there, and you do it for three days in a row. Mm. So every opportunity that I got, I did it. Every sales book that I could read, I read. So you know, like old school books like Zig Ziglar, you know, you know guys like that. I so you took this foundation and you just expanded on it, you almost made it so, fortified. So. I believe in steps. I believe in stepping stones because the the biggest challenge most people have is knowing where they're at now, doing an assessment, okay, where am I at right now and where do I want to go? And then they have a really hard time visualizing those steps in between. And like I've always talked about, they're not big steps, they're not big leaps, they're unfortunately they're little small steps and you got to come to terms with that. But you've got to use each one as a springboard to the next. So I first had to build that first one, which is becoming a good salesperson. So like I said, took every class I could take, read every book I could read, became a good salesperson, put the work into it, stayed focused, stayed disciplined. I wasn't thinking ahead like, okay, how do I now like leap ahead to the next step? No, Hmm. own number one. So I became a good salesperson. And then it was bring my passion in. So first it was build the skill set. Now, let me bring that in alignment with my passion, which was fitness. And so I went down to Anaheim, California, and uh, they had the Expo West show. And I think I told you this story before. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good friend of mine, his name was Joe Lumberg, or is Joe Lumberg. He's not dead. <laughs> uh, and Joe's family was into organic rice products, so organic rice cakes, etc., He said, hey, come on down to the show. He said, you know, there's sports supplement companies down there. I know you're into bodybuilding and all that stuff. You know, should go down there. So I just went ahead and, you know, immediately, same day, I didn't wait, didn't procrastinate, booked a ticket. You know, it was only like 90 bucks, booked a, you know, round trip ticket down to Anaheim, took my suit, took a resume in hand, and I literally just went from booth to booth and bugged all these guys look you know they're there to sell interface with customers the last thing they want to they're deal not with, trying to hire you. they're not trying to hire me but i was i was persistent and i uh, ended up walking away with the job and i uh, so that was my starting point so what did i do i was a sales rep for a sports nutrition company so i took this foundation that i already had and now kind of parlayed that into you know a passion which was sports nutrition and fitness and started there. And then, you know, same thing. Built a reputation. Was successful there. Started to build relationships. Started to network. Started to become a student of the game. Like, learn the game. If you are if you play basketball, you become a student of the game, right? It's not just about how tall you are, how fast you are, how well you dribble, or how well you shoot. You got to be a student of the game. Learn the ins and outs of it. Learn the nuances. Like, what are those subtle things that a, a NBA player that's at the top of his game? What are those things that he sees on the court that no one else sees? Mm. Right? It's like Bruce Lee. I imagine when that guy was, you know, when it's, you know hand to hand combat, things move slower for him. It's like The Matrix, right? And he's able to see little things. He's able to see someone's eye movement or their head movement or their shoulder movement. You know, telegraphing their punch or their kick. But you got to be a student of the game, and you got to, you know, be able to see those smaller things. I mean, look
0: at someone like Tom Brady. If you watch his documentary, Tom vs. Time, which I'm going to push on you until you watch it, <sighs> but in there, he literally has every year he's, he's been playing 18 years now. He has a book that thick of every note he's
1: taken, and he puts it, files it away. So, and 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 I've, that's what I've shared with you. I think the most successful people take a lot of notes. Because you're not going to remember this stuff and you're not going to ever be able to go back and reflect on that stuff and make those distinctions and say, oh yeah, you know, even though this seems like the first time I'm encountering this problem, if I really go back and look at it, I've encountered similar problems just like it before. How did I deal with it? What worked well? What didn't work well? What was my takeaway from that? And uh, and that's a lot of what I'm going to be talking about in this quick 15-minute seminar is is how do you deal with your problems, right? How do you evaluate problems clearly and effectively, taking away our ego, taking away our feelings from it so you can see it for what it really, really is, right? In its most raw, pure form, be able to evaluate and come up with clear distinctions so you can learn from it you can get better because that's part of progress. And that comes from being more methodical about things. Even if it's not your personality, you gotta force yourself to do it. The most successful people in history were They were studious note takers, so always write stuff down. But uh, you know, going back to the story, so I just became a student of the game, and that was a big part of it. And the other part, and this is one that you know, I I tell people all the time, but it's it's coming from a place of integrity, right? It's your own personal character. So if there are people out there that are positioned to help you, are they going to want to help you? Are you that guy? Where they say, you know what, he always does what he says he's going to do. He always acts honorably. I can trust him. Or even just a simple fact, hey, I like him. I like him, whatever, you know, I just can't can't help it. I like the guy. You know what, let me just help him. I don't have a good reason to help him, but let me help him. Like, why did I help Kirby? Why did I take the time out of my crazy, insanely busy schedule To help this 19-year-old kid.
0: Because we liked him and we liked having him around.
1: And I felt that there was something in him, a quality in him. Like he showed that he had guts, right? The fact that he moved down from Illinois all the way to Florida by himself at 18 years old. He had guts. So people recognize that in other people, right? Qualities that either they possess or that they admire. So having integrity goes a long way when it comes to building relationships. So... I became a student of the game. I got that first opportunity, became a student of the game, I built relationships and I just continued to do that. And then it all happened in stepping stones and eventually fast forward, I uh, met my business partner. He had another business and I, uh, you know, we would sit down, we would have lunch and I would share with him different ideas and he would put those in into his business and over time built a relationship, built trust and he said, "Man, come on, let's do something. Let's do a business." And at the time I already had another business. I was I was working for the magazines. I was working for Muscle and Fitness Magazine and Flex Magazine and, and the Mr. Olympia Expo. And so I was already busy with that. I had a medical center that I started. So I had a you know this really cool, beautiful urgent care and a medical spa and did the whole thing. And uh, I'm like, man, I, I need another project like I need a hole in the head. You know, I mm-hmm. found myself in a medical field because I, th- I thought it was a good investment, a great opportunity. And plus, I like designing, you know, buildings and houses. And so it was an opportunity to create a space. It's kind of like if you're building a restaurant, right? Half of a restaurant isn't just the food, it's the ambiance. Yeah, for sure. It's creating the vibe. And I always like that. So, you know, I wanted to build this really high-end, upscale, you know, medical center but i knew nothing about medical i had a doctor who was a business partner that was his field of expertise but i kind of found myself saying okay i'm able to put some of my skills or my talents zero passion zero passion and it's not enough to to have a skill set if you want to if you want to succeed you're going to encounter so many obstacles so many frustrations so many times where you want to throw your hands up and say fuck this you got to have the passion that's going to push you forward that's going to push you past those low moments and I had
0: I had one of those moments just to just interrupt you real quick. That's right. So I had one of those moments where I took I went out to to, to to lunch with D and I asked him. You know, I was talking to him about. You know, I'm a young business minded guy, and to me, I I think you two guys kind of I really admire what you guys have done with just with sticking to your own guns whenever when the entire industry was doing one thing, you guys are like, fuck it, we're going to do it this way because that's what we believe in. And two very strong characters in both you and D. But I asked D, what's the one thing you can tell me about becoming successful in business? And he told me, having the right partner. <laughs> he left it at that, it wasn't
1: uh, uh, he was like, have the right partner. So, here's what, uh, here's how I feel about that. I, I, I agree with them, But I think if you're to have to be good at everything, and I know that that's the expectation, we all have a hard time admitting it, that we're not good at something. And it's easy to say, but when you're in the moment, it doesn't feel good. When someone looks at you and you say, oh, well, you don't know. And it's easy to say, no, I don't know. And I've gotten to that point where I recognize I don't have to be good at those things. I just have to surround myself with people who are good at those things. Henry Ford was notorious for saying that. He doesn't have to be an expert in all those things. He just surrounds himself with people who are experts. He said, I don't
0: have to. Elon Musk has a famous line. He said, I didn't go to Harvard, but everyone I just hired—they're all
1: Harvard graduates. You know? Yeah, you know, and look at—you uh, know—you could go on and on. Steve Jobs was Steve Jobs really a technology guy? No, I think he embraced technology, and 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 you know the guy was an artist too, right? And so it was combining these two worlds, but he was a guy with a vision. He was a guy that had the crazy vision of what he wanted to accomplish and he just surrounded himself with people who could help him realize that vision. And he was steadfast. Like he was absolutely determined. There was nothing that was going to dissuade him from making that happen. And everyone talks about Steve Jobs being an asshole, right? But I think that when you have a vision and you're not willing to budge from it, you're going to come across as an asshole. I don't think he was a total asshole. I, you know, I've watched videos where he was, you know, they're corporate videos where he's communicating a message to, the, you know, to all of Apple, right? Apple got to be a certain point. He couldn't just sit down and have a conversation with everybody. So they would do you know, these video conferences, things like that. And some of that stuff still exists today. He was a guy who was passionate. He was super passionate. And think about the times where you get in fights with people and arguments with people. It's when you're really passionate mm-hmm. about something. So passion's a big thing. I but you know going back to what we were just talking about you got to know what your weaknesses are and if you can find other people who are strong where you're weak that's a big part of it you know and so Derek and I were complimentary right. That's another
0: thing he said he said know what you're good at know what you suck at and never take no for an answer (laughs) that's his I mean that's that's just him in a nutshell you know.
1: Yeah. And, you know, so we learned a lot from each other, but we also, there was a good balance there that we complemented each other's strengths and weaknesses. I, and that doesn't mean you have to have a business partner. Some people are more balanced. Some people are more well-rounded. Although I think that there is a danger in being really, really well-rounded. You become a, a jack of all trades, a master of none. So that's kind of, you know, sometimes a hard position to come from. As a leader, you don't, there's no such thing as just one way to be a leader or a CEO. I've seen CEOs that come from a marketing background, you know, they're more kind of like this vision. I've seen CEOs come from an accounting background. I've seen CEOs come from more of an operations background, right? There's all kinds of. What's the best kind of CEO? (laughs) Depends on what kind of business you're doing. I mean, you know, I, but I think that even my, my, idea of a ceo and an entrepreneur has changed over time they're two totally different things mm-hmm. because we have a ceo now so bpi we've hired a ceo so you know d and i were not officially running the company we've appointed this figurehead this person she's not just a figure figurehead she's actually the ceo she's calling the shots here working with us but a business has to have a leader and it's a difficult role it's a very, very difficult role, and it requires a lot of things that aren't always fun. It's not glamorous. People think being a CEO is you know, this glamorous thing. They romanticize the idea of it. It's not glamorous. It's a tough, tough role, <laughs> and it frees us up to focus on the areas of business that we like and that we're passionate about. So I'm in a really awesome position right now to just cherry pick and do the things that I like to do, mm-hmm. which is focusing on the brand, right, yep. the vision for the brand, and the marketing. I but a ceo has to really dig into the details and you know be very methodical be very systematic create a lot of structure whereas an entrepreneur you can start a company and have none of that you can just be a gunslinger right you're just coming in you're shooting from the hip all the time you can find success by just plowing forward all the time. Just go, go, go no matter what gets in your way. You either run it over, if it knocks you down, you get up and you as keep going. As long as going. you're getting positive yards, you're good. As long as you right, you just keep going. You don't ever stop and you also have to be a bit fearless. You have to have a tolerance for risk. <laughs> right? Because to be successful, sometimes you got to you got to, you know, you're gonna roll take the your dice. Lungs. Well and, and you know it's kind of like gambling. It's like what if you're you're down three hands in a row, you know, do you do you put the rest of your money on the table and you find that you you have to do that a lot to grow a business and then at a certain point you have to find that balance between, you know, being calculated, it's like managing your portfolio, right? How much of growing your portfolio is taking risks you know for hopefully big gains or how much of it is just managing risk right you got to find have a fine uh, a fine balance there because you can't just manage to risk all the time because you're never going to grow to grow you got to take risks still
0: and that was funny because one of my when i was at florida state one of my good fraternity buddies his whole job was risk management you know and it was it's a job within
1: itself people that assess whether it's you know worth the risk so so here's one of those kind of catch 22s when you're starting a business that's where i think most people find themselves in that position like being more of the risk analysis guy and then they end up talking themselves out of stuff mm-hmm. because it just looks like too much risk too many things that can potentially go wrong you have to just embrace that and say yeah a lot of shit's gonna go wrong but if i keep at it enough stuff will go right but- and and that's that's the tough thing i think that when you look at statistics, why so many businesses fail within, and I don't want, I, there's you know, a couple of statistics out there, how many businesses fail within the first seven years, how many fail within the first year. If you were to ask me why they fail, I don't think it's because they're all bad ideas. I think a lot of businesses fail that have great ideas, great products. I think they fail because a lot of people get into it not prepared for what it's going to take to be successful. Okay you get into it. And like I said, we romanticize the idea. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to create my own destiny. Let me tell you, like, I don't own BPI. BPI owns me. And that's how I feel a lot of times that, you know, I have an obligation to the business, an obligation to everybody in this building. You got people with families and mortgages. And pretty soon it starts to feel like, The same way you feel as a parent when you have kids. Like I remember when I had my first kid, when James was born, I went, "Oh God, I'm responsible for someone else besides myself." (laughs) You know, and that was a big thing because I always told myself before, and I've shared it with you that if something ever went wrong in my life, I'm like, "Hey, you know, I can take my lunch up and go. Yeah, yeah, I can live in my car if I have to. But you can't live in your car when you got kids." And it's kind of the same thing here yeah, I can take a lot of risks and do a lot of stuff that, you know, I think is going to catapult the company to next level, but also have to be conscientious of that, that there's people in this building that depend on this business for their livelihood.
0: I think at another point, I think D had the kid right around the same time. He had exact Craig at the time, same yeah. time. So you guys are both like, fuck, this has got to work. Or were you kind of just like, all right, we're, <sighs> we're going into this business. I know Derek's not one of those guys that's like, oh, no, well, let's take it easy. It's like, all right, uh, we're already built, you know let's already think Well we ahead. didn't we didn't
1: think we were going to conquer the world. Uh, our goal initially, we joke about it now, we say our whole goal was just, you know, to keep the lights on and you know and just to take care of, you know, our families. I uh, we saw it in the beginning as just a source of income as a livelihood, right? Let's just build this and you know and pay we'll some bills. And- I uh, but we always I think what made us successful is that we were at a point where we had to make it work, had to make it work. It had too much writing on it. Mm-hmm. And so we we had put a lot of pressure on ourselves to make it work. And so failure was just simply not an option. Just never gave ourselves that luxury of saying, well, what if this or what if that? No, you just push those thoughts right out and you just keep plowing forward. And I think that's probably one of the keys. We're all gonna have all these what ifs that pop into our head. And all those what ifs all exist. They're all very real possibilities, but you can't dwell on them. Right. I mean, we're all susceptible to that. If you, if you start focusing on that stuff, that fear kicks in. You feel that tightness in your chest, and you're like, no way, no way. Like, this isn't worth it. Like, fear is there for a reason. Fear is there to protect us. It's the same reason why, you know, we've talked about in the animal kingdom, like, you hear a twig break, the deer pops its head up and it runs, right? It's to protect itself. For sure. So we do the same thing. We start thinking about all these things that can go wrong. We're like, no way. Pooh, I'm out of here. You, you have to be able to deal with fear.
0: Right. So i mean, um doing my research, just some of the questions I wanted to ask. And the one that keeps on popping up, after you've done your market research, you're like, okay, there's a need for this product. Mm-hmm. I'm going to – here's my business plan. How would one person get the funding to do this? Because that, I think, is – I don't know how much money you guys had to throw into it. I don't know no. if anything, but let's say I'm starting my supplement company, BPB Sports. Where do I find the money to do that? Where would anybody find
1: the money to do that? I know, but you better think of a different name. <laughs> B- I'll sue you for trademark infringement. <laughs> uh, you, you know what? It's always kind of the first question people have. I think, one, you got to start small. Start small. It's like One thing I've learned about the digital world that I really like about it is – you find something that works and you start small and you test it and you refine it and then you scale it up, right? This concept of scalability and the problem is most people get themselves in over their heads. They just try to take on too much too quick. So yes, you have to be aggressive but you also have to be calculated about it. So we didn't have any money in the beginning. I had no money to put into this and it was run off of credit cards. I mean… You know, my American Express was a line of credit <laughs> for us, and you know that's an American Express isn't a revolving account. That's you paid off at the end of every oh, month. Oh yeah, they don't play. So, no, and so that's kind of scary, right? So we we had to fund it from personal sources, from you know, f- could get borrow some money from family at ridiculous interest rate, and you know, pay it off whatever it took. I uh, but started off small, and there was no there was no you know none of the fluff. There was none of the cool stuff. There wasn't a cool office building, cool mural on the wall. There was none of that. Got started out of a garage. So on the
0: first one or more, kind of out of.
1: It's. I mean, look, it was close enough. I mean, it was right next to the dump, <laughs> like like this. Not the dump is like this big recycling plant. They were always like crushing cars, and it was right underneath the airport. So airplanes flying over, you couldn't go outside and have a conversation on the phone. And it was tiny. It was a tiny little hole in the wall. It's as close as you can get to to a garage. And I know again people romanticize that idea like you think of, you know, the Bill Gates of the world or the Steve Jobs starting out of some little garage. But you know, that's the right way to do it. You why burden yourself with all this unnecessary overhead that really is just coming from ego. Having a big fancy office building when you don't have a real business yet doesn't make any sense. You you start to build as you have the opportunity to, as the cash is there to do it, as the need arises. You put the money back into it to go ahead and fuel the growth, and that's the other part. Is you can't see this as just something that's you know a get rich quick scheme, because in the beginning, if you're taking this money out and putting it in your pocket and buying a car and doing all this crap, you're not putting enough money back into the business to be able to grow it, and and that's what we've had to do. I mean, BPI is the size it is because we've reinvested, and again, that takes a lot of balls, right? Because you want to take the money out. You want to do whatever, invest it. Even if you don't want to spend it, you want to go invest it or squirrel it away and you can't, you got to double down. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) so you just, you have to be able to, like I said, conquer fear. And you're doubling down on yourself. So that's... You are, but look, here's the flip side. If you invest in the stock market, right? You invest in, you know... What are you, I mean, really, what are you investing? in? You're investing in other companies the way someone else is running these companies. So if you want to invest in Coca-Cola or Apple or whatever, you're investing ultimately not in a company. You're investing in people. Because people are making the decisions behind that company. Like I look at Apple, I've always been an Apple fan. I think Apple sucks these days. I think the direction that Apple has taken as a company, I think they've lost track of their core consumer.
0: You think that's because Steve Jobs is gone and not there? Or?
1: Well, I mean, look, I'm not going to just say it's about his vision and his vision is the only way. I would just think that he was a man with a very distinct vision. And I think that when someone takes over, there's always a chance that their vision is going to be drastically different right? So I'm not saying they're a company without a vision. I'm just saying it feels like a very different vision. And when you have a loyal following, it's almost cult-like, right? Think about the old Apple days. If you said something bad about a Mac, people want to punch you in the face. They would defend the brand because they bought into the brand. They bought into what the brand represented. And It's like how the vegans are now. (laughs) So when you change that brand identity who you know the let's call it the personality or the values of the brand all those people who followed it in the beginning say wait saying this isn't what i was following hmm. you know you, you've forgotten about us and so i think a lot of those older customers and i don't mean older as far as age but you know loyal apple users for a long time i feel I think feel alienated i They've forgotten about the end user. You know a lot of people, especially artists, people who are photographers, video editors, etc. The fact that you don't have an SD card slot, you know, in a MacBook Pro anymore, that's kind of crazy. People are like, "Oh yeah, Apple's just trying to sell me another fifty nine ninety five dongle." First of all, I hate saying the word dongle; it's a ridiculous word, and I hate spending another fifty nine ninety nine every time I want to plug a different device in. So, with that being said, you're investing in people. You're investing in their decisions. So. Why not invest in yourself? Mm-hmm. Why not invest in you? It's not just your business. You're investing in yourself where maybe sometimes you're going to make the right decision. Sometimes can be the wrong decision. But ultimately, you can learn from your mistakes. You can get better from them. And, you know, you have control of your destiny to a degree. In the stock market, pff, dude, who knows? What
0: were some of those um, mistakes you did earlier when you guys first started that you were like, okay, let's not do that again? Countless. Yeah,
1: countless. I mean, look, one of the questions that I get when people come in, they're they're looking at the whole organization, all the people, all the roles, all the processes, all the structure, saying, "Well, how do you create all that?" The funny thing is, all that happened one process at a time, and it always stemmed from a mistake. You know, so for example, if you know, whatever it was, maybe that I you know, on a product. We changed change something out. We we changed an ingredient, right? And then you go to press on, you know, on your labels, but that didn't get changed, that one ingredient. So the formula got changed, but the label didn't get changed. So you go, oh my God, this can never happen again. We just printed 50,000, 100,000 of these labels, and you got to throw them in the trash. Whoa. And that's painful. You might as well just burn money, right? So, then you start coming up with processes. Okay, how do we create some sort of revision codes, right? A process of keeping track of all these changes. So that's just one small example. But every single process that we have came about from some sort of error, mistake, blunder, something that costs clogging
0: us. Something the system.
1: Something that costs us time or costs us money. That's where it all comes about. And so that's why I tell people problems are going to happen. Stop Stop trying to figure out the way to avoid all the problems. You can't. You don't want to have. You're not going to have a perfect. You know, go at it. It's impossible. It's impossible. The problems are going to happen. So instead of thinking, spending all your time thinking about how do I avoid problems, think about how you're going to deal with problems, how you're going to evaluate problems, how you're going to learn from problems, how you're going to get better from problems, and that's how you progress.
0: We got a bunch of people on Instagram here. You guys can also check us we're also live on YouTube right now. What's up YouTube? Um, you know,
1: you know actually talking about that too, talking about problems and something that I'll talk about in that uh, that keynote speech. When you can embrace problems, you also become less fearful of problems. Mm. And that's a big thing, right? It fears what's holding us back from wanting to to take these things on. When you realize that problems are just part of the process and that if you have an effective way of dealing with the problems, you're not going to be as fearful with them. And so that's a big part of you know my personal philosophy is don't spend your time and energy trying to avoid problems. Figure out how you're just going to better deal with problems.
0: Did you ever tell yourself, why the F am I doing this?
1: <laughs> All the time. All the time. I mean, look, if you want... If you want to start a business because you think it's going to give you more freedom, it's going to, you're going to take all these lavish vacations and do all this stuff, you're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. I mean, the first seven years of this business, I, you know, I never took a vacation. When I got married, my honeymoon was, you know, taking a Friday off and going Friday, Saturday and flying back super late Sunday so I could be back in the office Monday. Not because I had to, but because I had to, you know, there was just stuff that needed to be done that if I wasn't here wasn't going to get done. I, so, yeah, you know, you, you don't have that kind of freedom. If you want freedom and you want guaranteed three weeks of vacation every year. Go be a teacher. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with being a, a teacher, but, and there's nothing wrong with working for someone else. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, what what would that say about me as a leader within a business if, if I were criticizing that? We need every single person in this building because this building isn't, you know, BPI isn't me. It's not my business partner. It's everybody in this building. It's their passion. It's their knowledge. It's their commitment to the business. That's what drives BPI. So there's nothing, nothing wrong with working for someone. Uh, you're just you're just helping someone else realize their vision and you're letting them bear the burden of of that, you know, the sleepless nights and, you know, the stomach problems. I mean, I went through a year of of that, of like the most ridiculous acid reflux in the world where I thought I was dying of stomach cancer, no joke, and lost 15 pounds because I didn't want to eat. I, uh, Yeah, I mean, man, everything comes at a price. And so you just have to ask yourself, is it worth it to you? Because, you know, it, you, you got to figure out what's driving you to do it. Why do I do it? It's not the money. It's it's creating, it's building, I love that. And I love that ability to to create and to build. And so that's what motivates me to do it. And that's what offsets everything else that comes along with it. But yeah, there's times where I look at and say, you know, what's the most important thing to me in, in my life? Well, my wife, my relationship with her, my relationship with my kids, you know, being able to go out and just like appreciate the small things in life, you know, just I'm telling you, it's the little things, it's being able to get up in the morning and watch the sunrise and, you know, drink a cup of coffee or a protein shake, whatever floats your boat. Uh, You know, same thing at the end of the day, watching the sunset, going, you know, paddle boarding or whatever. It's all those little small things that don't cost any money, that really make life worthwhile. You don't have to go start a business and make a million dollars to have a really successful life and to really appreciate and enjoy life. And so sometimes, yeah, those first six, seven years of the business, I didn't really get to do those things. And- to appreciate the small things was really difficult for me because even when I was at home with my kids, mentally I wasn't present because my head was on a million different other things. And so I may have only been at the office from you know eight o'clock to six o'clock, but my brain was on it twenty four seven. I would have work dreams every single night. I would get up. My Those wife are terrible, dude. Those are terrible. You know, it's it's for a Nick. It's it's commonplace. Like she doesn't even ask what I'm doing when I get up in the middle of the night. If I don't come back to bed for 10, 15 minutes, she knows what I'm doing. I'm sending myself an email. I'm sending myself email reminders because I know in the morning I'll say, God, what what was that that, that popped into my head? And the I The worst can-
0: thing about work dreams though, are like, I've had those where I'm here, those days where I'd get crushed by Derek and I'm just like having these work dreams. And then you wake up, you're like, I was just at fucking work for eight hours in my dream and now I'm actually going yeah, no, to work. No, no, you're going work to work
1: tired. There you into going to work. Right, tired. But those
0: are sometimes the, the greatest ideas are,
1: you know, on the toilet. And when you wake up in the middle of the night. So that's the thing you got to really be driven by, you know, you've got to be excited. I think that's, you know, forget the word passionate. You've got to be excited to just to get up and to see what you can create, what you can build. And one of the things I think is great about the environment here is no two days are alike ever, ever, ever. And so every day it's a new set of challenges and, and look, and I, I use that word creatively because I think a lot of people look at these things as problems, Mm -hmm. but you know, problems have a a negative connotation to it. I rather look at it as a challenge because in my mind, a challenge is just something that I overcome. A problem is some sort of, you know, something trying to beat me down. Uh, A challenge is something that I'm going to overcome. And so we have challenges every day and I've learned to kind of get off on that. That's problem solving. That's fun. That's you know, there's, it requires creativity to figure out, okay, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to take this whole situation? How are we going to turn it into a positive?
0: When you first started this, um, we always talk about why, what was your end game? What was the, Hmm. what was it at the end that, you know, was like, okay, I'm doing this for this reason cuz I know there was a why you did it.
1: Yeah, I was a, truthfully probably a little disillusioned. I think my why was ultimately envisioning a lot more freedom of uh, being able to you know pursue you know my true passions not that i really knew what those were but just having that freedom to go do whatever i wanted to do That's the and, warren
0: buffett thing yeah
1: and you know go be able to spend all this time with my kids and go on these you know vacations and do all these things and then i realized that you can't one you can't defer that stuff your kids grow up right and then i mean james is going to turn 11 here in a couple of days Jeez. i'm like 11 years old what happened to those past 11 years I, God, 11? Holy shit. Yeah, James was just, I mean, you know, he was a little kid when, you know, started BPI. I, when
0: I first got here, he was six years old when I first started. Six years old.
1: So, you know, yeah, I was a little disillusioned in a couple ways. One, I thought that I would be able to do all these things that I couldn't do at the time but then in retrospect i realized i could do those things i had the ability to go appreciate those simple things enjoy those simple things in life uh so that was part of it and the other part was what i said is be able to go pursue these other passions no i've just learned to be able to to find within the business the things that make me passionate like that i'm excited about it the big one for me is bpi is a vehicle to be able to just help other people so it's not just selling them supplements it affords me the opportunity to build really cool websites and training programs that we give away for free and do cool blogs and bring on these athletes that inspire other people and you know so to help people achieve their fitness goals not just by giving them one piece which is supplements which let's face it are just a small piece of the equation but all the other pieces that are going to make them successful so training programs nutrition programs inspiration you know even let's my ultimate vision for BPI is just that of, of a coach of, you know, that friend that's encouraging you and pushing you and say, Hey, you can do this. You can go out there, you can reach your goals. And that's why we do this. That's what the podcast is. Even though it seems kind of disconnected from stuff in the gym or, or stuff with BPI, it's not, it's all the same.
0: And I think, you know, in the past maybe year or so, we're having a lot more fun doing things that might seem like, Random, but not really. It's, it's all in the same wheelhouse because us doing this helps us get, you know, and, and this cri- is
1: this is a perfect example. of What I'm talking about a BPI affords me the opportunity to do these things. So right now, the two of you are sitting here right now on BPI time helping me do a podcast on my YouTube channel, not really talking about BPI right just talking about things that hopefully someone out there is going to find beneficial that they'll be able to apply to their own life and be able to go achieve their own goals and find success but and people
0: have to realize that you doing this this is you're not just turning it on for an hour this is what the culture here at BPI sports is we do follow you and your vision and your integrity and all this stuff so people know watching you it's a good and we kind of always kept it we never really made the James Grade YouTube channel all about BPI but ultimately, it is. I mean, we—it's a trickle it's, down, trickle down system. Well, so. it's
1: it's it's what it is. It's shared values, right? So my personal values are, you know, that's that's our corporate values. It's everything's in alignment, and so what we're doing here is a reflection of of what we do on a daily basis within BPI, and uh, and that's what gets me excited because. Just making supplements. Yeah, do I like supplements? Yeah, I think supplements are cool. I've always thought supplements were cool. I always loved that idea of taking a product that might help me be faster, stronger, jump higher, whatever, right? Or give me more energy. I always loved that idea. And so love making products that that help people do that. And that's why, you know, kind of the that first filter for a product is, am I going to be excited about it? Do I want to take it? and I uh, and if i do then maybe someone else will as well so yeah i love that part of it but that's not what really gets me fired up what gets me fired up is this other aspect I, o- I always thought in like an alternate you know life that that's what i would do is be some sort of like i don't know like i hate the term motivational speaker but that's what i enjoy doing is teaching people you know and that word teacher you think of like Teaching, you know, as a teacher and, and, you know, whether an elementary school teacher, a high school teacher. Classroom sort. You know, it's actually a super noble profession. Really, really noble. I mean, I have the utmost respect. I mean, it's easy for us to say, you know, we, we mentioned earlier, like, hey, if you don't want to be a business owner, well, you could be a teacher. And that
0: wasn't a knock on that. It's it was, just...
1: No, because I think it's the most honorable profession. And I look at it and say, you know what? I do enjoy teaching. I enjoy sharing. Maybe not what I know, because I don't... Stand on the soapbox and think I'm the guy to tell you how to do it I'm the guy to tell you what not to do because I'm the guy who's fucked up a lot made a lot of bad decisions But I've also because of that because I've I've figured out that that's my method is learning through mistakes Like I have to fumble through things. I have to make mistakes And that's how I get there so I can at least share How I do that right And then hopefully that'll make people less fearful of making mistakes. Like I tell my kids that all the time, like, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Don't make your decisions based on whether you think you're going to make a mistake or not. It's cool to make mistakes. What's not cool is making the same fucking mistake over and over. That's not cool.
0: It's cool to make mistakes like uh, Billy Madison's cool to pee your pants. (laughs) It's cool to make mistakes. No, And I agree. I think you learn a lot more from failures than you do successes.
1: Look, it's really difficult to model your life or your business after someone else's successes because you're never going to duplicate that exactly. But my philosophy for business, uh, especially with BPI, was if I can potentially learn something from other people's mistakes, maybe that will help me avoid some of those pitfalls. I can't avoid them all. I can't avoid you know, every form of that mistake because there's multiple variations of the same mistake, right? And that's why I would say take notes so you can start to you know, figure out those similarities. But if you can learn from other people's mistakes that will propel you faster. You got a question here? You...
0: Yeah, there's a bunch here. I'm not gonna jump too much into it. Uh, is there any obstacles? Any obstacles that you have encountered that prevented you from reaching your goals as a business owner or as an athlete. I think we discussed Tons. some of those. Yep, we discussed Every- some of those. I have a question for you—a good yeah. one, I think. And it's some question I'd ask like a athlete or something. With your first big paycheck, what was the first big thing you bought <laughs> when you were like, "Holy shit, I'm gonna go buy this"?
1: You know, so it's it's funny growing up pretty poor. There were pretty a lot, poor. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I, well, I grew up really poor, <laughs> right. and uh, so there were a lot of things that. I didn't have and that my friends had uh that uh, you know so I, I thought that I wanted all those things I didn't really you know it's funny the whole time I've owned BPI there's a, a brief phase where I thought watch is really cool because there's such a status symbol and I realized like I don't even tell time on a watch I mean you'll never see me wear a watch why because I've got my phone right I mean. That's where most people tell time. They look at their phone or they look at their computer. 95% of time, right? Yeah, so for me to wear a watch, I mean, I recognize it's purely status. And so unless I'm doing it for myself because I really, really love that watch because there's something about the mechanics of it that I just truly appreciate, stripping all the ego out. Otherwise, I'm doing it to impress someone else or I'm trying to say, hey, this is who I am. It's for a status symbol. And I've really been working on my own ego, trying to keep that in check same reason i'm I'm not into fancy cars and it's not to say that i wasn't i've owned all kinds of different fancy cars dude you got a 67 chevy bro yeah but that's because i love it most people don't even know what it is they don't even know what it is but i love the car and so i never ran out and bought a watch or fancy clothes uh and hey, you know what? There's nothing wrong with it. If you love watches, do it. If you love fancy clothes and that's what makes you feel great, do it. As long as it makes you feel great because it makes you feel great, not because you're trying to impress somebody. Right. But the first purchase was, and really weren't, wasn't making much money, but I wanted to build my own custom Harley, you know, mm-hmm. ground up. Uh, so, and even that I piecemealed. So I bought... I bought a 113 and motor, I bought a frame, and I bought a forks, I bought all the pieces, you know, individually, and, and, you know, then worked with someone, they helped me, you know, a motorcycle shop helped me kind of piece this all together. And I would go into the shop, and I would grind and do different things, because I had a very specific vision of what I wanted. But that was probably one of my, like, first little toys that I bought for myself. But I'd already had stuff before, I, you know, I had a measure of success before BPI, right? But I've always liked bikes and cars. so Something with a motor. Something with a motor. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I bought, uh, I've got a 53 F100 that, you know, just redid from the ground up. Uh, Same thing with the 67 Chevelle. But probably the biggest purchase I ever did was my house. And it wasn't because I wanted, it wasn't this big status thing. I grew up, I wanted, one of the things I thought I wanted to be was an architect. And it's not because I wanted to be an architect, but I liked creating. Here, right? I liked creating and I liked drawing. And a friend of my dad's when I was a kid was an artist. He was a painter. And so I was always into going into his studio, loved it. And he would even help me, he, he would pay his bills painting signs. Because selling his paintings wasn't paying his bills. So he would paint signs. This was before digital printing and all that. And so as a kid, I would get up there on scaffolding and would literally be helping him paint signs, which is kind of cool in retrospect that you trusted like an eight-year-old right. right up there painting a sign. Uh, but he would sit there and he would tell me, he said, "You know, look, take your creative energy, your passions, and put it into something that's going to pay the bills. Don't be like me, which I don't agree with now because it look, at painting is your passion. Pursue your passion uh, don't, don't find yourself, you know, in a position where you feel like you're just stagnating and rotting. And I think that's how he felt like he was just resigned himself to being a sign painter. But that's where I got this idea of taking those talents and putting them into architecture. Cause I did like houses. I I like the idea of a space that you could walk into and it would make you feel a certain way, right. You know, be able to create a vibe. For sure. And, uh, so that was one of the first things. And, Really, I obsessed over it every night. I would look at everything. I mean, everything from down to the flooring and the walls and the lights and the switches to you name it, just obsessed over every single little detail. But it's not that I was obsessing to make it perfect, it's because I had such a clear picture in my mind of what I wanted. And I just wanted to make that a reality. And so when it was finished and we actually moved in, I remember the very first night we were laying in their bed and I was wide eyed. Just staring at the ceiling, and the next, like, what's wrong with you? I said, "This is just weird." She said, "Why is it weird?" I said, "Because I never envisioned in my vision that was so super clear about this house. I never envisioned moving into it. <laughs> I just envisioned building it, that's right? For real. Just wanted to. It was a big project to me, right. and so, uh, yeah, moving into it and living in it was uh, an adjustment. It took me months and months and months. But that's, I just kind of pulled out a lot of the stops because it was about the creative, you know." Eliminating some of those those limitations, like okay, you know, I really want to do that, but I'm not going to do it because it costs too much. Like, no, if that's part of the creative vision, then okay, look, well, let's do You're that. You're the only one
0: that's going to set your own obstacles in your you know stops so
1: so that was the big thing other than that i mean come on look at the way i dress i you know (laughs) i mainly wear bpi shirts i walk into the warehouse and you know so it's like wearing either a a white t-shirt or a bpi shirt
0: pajama billionaire look man that's those are the guys that go courtside in their pajamas they don't give a shit about anybody else
1: it's you know it's not that i don't give a shit i just uh i guess one is just kind of me and then uh two it's probably part of that whole ego check too like i really am always trying to like test myself. Because trust me, I get judged if I walk into a place dressed the way I'm dressed, you know, with a pair of sweats that are cut off and, you know, old crappy pair of, you know, shoes and, you know, and a tank top. But then you pull out that black card and they're like, <laughs> oh, there he goes. Hey, sir, sorry about that. But you know, people, right, pe- course, people are passing judgment. We all pass judgment. And, uh, and it's uncomfortable for me. It's still uncomfortable for me, even though I have that confidence within myself because you know i know i know who i am and i'm cool with who i am but it's it's still a test because when someone passes judgment on you you want to be reactive to it and you want to say you know do you know what i've done or do you know where i live <laughs> do or, you know who i am yeah i mean so i i'm always kind of testing myself i've never seen there. you
0: more uncomfortable than in uh some jeans and a button up so don't even hey, you look fucking calm. and we always joke around like hey you got a court date or you yeah. know something like that because that's the only time we actually see her if it's a huge business meeting of some sort
1: but, um, I yeah, think I mean, look, I'll, I'll, I'll dress up out of respect for whoever I'm meeting with right. because I think right. it's disrespectful to show up with my hat on backwards in a pair of shorts right. to a business me, especially someone who is in a suit. Cause now I'm making them uncomfortable, right? Right. Mm. So I don't want to do that. So I'll dress up out of respect for the other person, but you know, day to day, uh, now I'm just going to dress how I'm comfortable. And obviously the vibe here is pretty damn casual because of it. I've only got a couple rules, which is don't wear a tank top and don't wear flip flops. If you're a dude, I, uh, other than that, I mean, you know, kind of anything goes. I think we've covered a lot today. We're just at the hour mark right now. We're going to be running
0: out of our Instagram people soon. You want to see some of the comments on here? Sure. All right, let's do it. Uh, okay. Somebody said "Cortis back B said, please make some more training routine videos. You inspired my routine after so many years of natural bodybuilding.
1: So good news. ATT videos are coming back. We just had a meeting about it today. I'll I'll tell you what my reluctance is real quick. And I'm going to do it anyway, but... You know, even going back to 2009 when I started doing videos for Muscle and Fitness magazine, there was none of this content out there. And then even just a couple of years ago, there was still not a lot of good how-to stuff. There's some stuff out there. Now it's just like it's everywhere. Everyone wants to be on YouTube. They want to be, you know, a fitness YouTube celebrity. And so everyone's, you know, putting information out there. I I, I watch this stuff, and it's you know, there's some good stuff out there. There's some stuff that's not so good, and it's it's kind of frustrating. At the end of the day, that's still what fuels me to do it is just feeling an obligation to provide, you know, good, good, honest content. I don't try to position myself as the authority on anything. All I can do is, you know, tell you what I've always told you, which is I've learned the hard way. I've learned from making mistakes and I'd rather see people not make the mistakes that I made along the way. So I think I'm going to go back to like a, a more casual format with the ATT advanced training technique videos which is just sharing what I like to do, what's worked for me, what I'm doing in the gym, you know, what my philosophies are. And all the YouTube critics out there, they want to, you know, posture and act like assholes and you know, you know, argue oh, yeah. about stuff. <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. So anyone who wants to listen to it because, you know, they find that it works for them, which is the ultimate test. What is in a book doesn't mean shit. If it works in the gym, if you get results from it, that's what counts. And so you've got a lot of people out there that, like I said, you know, they're, you know, they want to debate, you know, this university study and that university study or, or what this therapist or doctor said. I don't care. This guy,
0: Kim Thinney 10, wrote, when James speaks, I always listen to his training and routine and advice. So it
1: might be out of the box, but it works. And that's exactly what you're saying. It might not be conventional, but it works for you and, you know, it's... Look, and that's the thing. It works for me and I'm not going to say it's going to work for everybody, but it's worth trying. It's worth trying and if, you know... Look, I've gotten great results off of it. I've done a lot of shit that didn't work through my 25 years of training. I've wasted a lot of time doing stuff that other people told me to do and I really didn't understand why I should, just, why I should do it. I'm just going to do it because that's what everybody does. But that's the kind of dogma that I hate. Just do it because that's what everybody else does. No, you know, you if you can kind of figure out how... The body works. Figure out some different exercises and start educating yourself. Pretty soon you can figure out what works for you. And that's that's all I'm saying is I'm not saying my way is the only way. But if it can provide a platform for people, a foundation from which they can grow and find their own thing, what they like, that's that's the goal right there. Fitness Model Comp says, I remember James at Weeder. He's
0: done so well. True inspiration.
1: Oh, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, been, uh,
0: been a long time. We got another minute to go. Let's. Somebody asked, where is this expo? And let's give them just another
1: information. So, so go, to, go to fitcon, dot We'll also
0: have a link under this description for this YouTube video for the actual...
1: And we're going to be promoting it through BPI. So right. keep, a, keep an eye out on my social media platforms. On the BPI Sports. BPI Sports. We're also going to be sending out emails. If you're a BPI insider, sign up for that. Uh, we are always updating on all kinds of stuff, including awesome offers, uh, some one-off stuff that's not available to the public. So uh, you can check it out there. Awesome. So
0: also stay tuned. Like we said, the ATT stuff is coming back. Mm -hmm. This will be live. We'll be live every Tuesday. Make sure if you guys have any questions, write in the comments. We don't even know what we're going to talk about next week, but this one was long enough for us, for me especially. My butt's starting to hurt. Um, But, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in again, and we will catch you next week.